Welcome to the First Impressions Podcast, the official podcast of the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams. Every month, Chris John Riley and myself, Martin McKay, share informal conversations with security professionals from around the globe. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone, and any sarcasm you hear is purely intentional. For more information on FIRST or this podcast, please check out FIRST.org. This time on the podcast, we're lucky enough to be talking to Cohen Van Hover from NLNet Labs. You're going to be talking a little bit at the upcoming conference in Montreal about spoofing emails and how to bypass maybe even full SPF and DMARC protection. So thank you very much for, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is a, an interesting topic, something very interesting for, for many people listening, but you're specifically going to be talking a little bit about bypassing protections people have put into place like SPF, DMARC. Can you give people kind of the TLDR? What, what is the talk going to be about? What kind of things mm-hmm. you're going to be mentioning and, and what people were, are going to get out of the talk? Yes, I can. Um, so basically, email is this protocol that was designed in the 80s. And when someone mentioned security in the 80s, then people would laugh because why would we use precious uh, CPU cycles to do this encryption thing and security thing and do authentication thing? Because, I mean, we we know the other end. We know everyone who is on the internet because, well, you could probably fit every internet user in a phone book still. And you, if, you, if something was wrong, you could just call them. Um, and, and and the great thing about internet protocols is that once they are established and people are using them, you can't break them anymore. So at at some point we decided that hey, we probably need some way to authenticate. Well, who is sending this email? Because if I received this email that's supposedly from, I don't, let's say the White House, and I would probably want to be sure that it's actually coming from the White House. So. Um, or so from whitehouse.gov or think on from the irs or think of your favorite institution that's that that that's would where you would want to be sure that that's actually their emails or their letters that they are sending and and not someone else that they're pretending to be them Um, nobody's favorite service is the irs (laughs) i I can tell you that Uh, well i mean that it's one of the, the the services with most the most customers so uh but based on that metric then i will give them uh, the popularity as uh, they are high in the popularity ranking that way but i agree that that they are not uh, they are not america's favorite um but yeah so at some point the, the people decided that perhaps we should maybe put some protections into this thing and, and that's what they started with doing with with spf and dmark but the problem is with internet protocols is just once you establish something it, it has to keep working forever so if you want to add security to it the, the only way you can really do that is by bolting something onto the already existing protocol that already exists namely email and and, and that's really what spf tries to do but not only that it, it takes something that was dated and woefully inadequate like smtp and, and email and then says you know what will solve our problem dns that will solve our problem. <laughs> yes. So um, there, I there is a mark here in the office that every pro- that says that every problem is both caused and solved by DNS. Um, I, I think SPF uh, is a good, very good example that uh, indeed every every problem that is created, well, we can pr- try to solve it with DNS, and now we find out that 
we have a problem with and that is that's there is a problem again and that's caused by uh, dns <laughs> no but i mean because if you look at just how how email works i mean you have this this email content right where you write inside the email okay this is this is the the address it's from and then you put that email into an envelope which is what smtp is doing and you write on that uh, okay this is where it's from and then you have uh, but, but that doesn't isn't checked in any way shape or form and then people decided let, let's introduce spf where we put this in the dns where actually the email uh where part, as part of the domain let's add a list of ip addresses that are allowed to send email on behalf of, of our domain and then the recipient when they never they receive an email from supposedly our domain they can check do we have an spf record and if so is the the, the email that is delivered sending this email to us is that actually from that list that is allowed to send email on behalf of us and that, that's a nice tacton solution that works in principle and then some people thought okay this is nice and all but we probably need something more we need want to have monitoring we want to know exactly what's happening to our email if it's being delivered and also, we want to specify our policy. So, okay, if it is, does it actually match? Should people then put it in the spam folder or should they outright reject it? Or should they just deliver it anyway? And, and, and that last part is basically what DMARC is doing. And, and the combination of these two, well, makes, means that in theory, you could check whether the email is actually sent from the party it should be sent from. And then if it isn't, potentially rejected hmm. but well, of course that's only in theory because well we know that the internet it doesn't never works like it specifies it's it's a it's a series of edge cases of how to get around the things that you're talking about which sound great in theory except they don't work in something that you never would have thought of uh, doing it when you originally created it mm -hmm. well i mean the the, the internet is constantly evolving and changing and, and and one of the things that the original offers never envisioned really was that when when email was set up people used to host their own servers or so basically there would be a server somewhere in a, in a room where that had a sticky note on it that says that said don't turn off and then um it would some and then someone would probably pull the plug whenever some whenever the vacuum cleaner needed to be turned on um and, and nowadays, of course, we can't do that anymore. We need something more professional and we need something with more uptime. And organizations have decided that, yeah, um, let's, let's not do that ourselves. Let's, let's outsource that to third parties. And well, at first we started just putting the servers in, in, in different buildings where they would manage all that. And then at some point we decided, hey, we can just let's get rid of our entire physical server and go to the cloud and let some cloud providers do this. And that's actually what you see with email as well. We see a lot of uh, organizations switch to third-party email providers that are basically give us give us money and we will deliver email for you using our infrastructure. Mm. Um, but the thing is that th these organizations or these 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 companies that 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 take your money and then send email on behalf of you, they 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 you're not generally not the only customer. They have other customers as well, and. They, they share this, that infrastructure between the different customers. Mm. So if I am a customer there, them, then I trust them that they have their security in order that only I can send email on behalf of me. And, and, and 
well, that's often not the case. So often, I guess, in, in shared tenant environments, when you're looking at things like SPF, as it's based on DNS and, and IP addresses, you're not tying it to the individual user, you're tying it to the service as a whole. And, uh, and as a result, the service has the ability to send the email, not a person. So you're not tying it to a person behind an identity that you can validate. You're tying it to a server that may inevitably be used by 100,000 people a day, which solves a problem, but maybe not the same problem you think you were solving when you rolled out SPF. Correct. And indeed, you're basically you're outsourcing your your problem to be someone else's problem. And what you're also but by outsourcing your problem to be someone else's problem you're also outsourcing the fact that you can no longer really solve it yourself but your the solution has to come from that third party and and, and that, that's one of the main reasons why it's both uh, TLP amber and also why it's pre being presented at, at first because you as a customer so to speak you are interested in doing this properly and having making sure that the, only you can send email on behalf of yourself. The third party is mostly interested in your money. And if you don't have enough weight to put into that, that they can actually, they, they actually solve the issue, then your only solution is, okay, we are going to go somewhere else. And, and that's generally um, difficult for large organizations where this is choosing vendors is an entire process. So you mentioned like getting vendors to take a look at this and fix it. Is there an easy way for third parties, vendors, or people who are affected by this kind of thing or concerned about it to really figure out if they're affected and, and how they can address it? It seems like it's something that's built into the design of the protocol and mm -hmm. without some kind of customized solution or customized um, development on the third party side, it seems tricky to fix. Uh, it is actually remarkably it generally is remarkably simple to fix because the third party does do some sort of authentication generally because they want to make sure that you are actually a customer and that you're paying. Mm. Um, so they know who you are. So generally they can associate that with, well, and these are the domains that belong to you and these are, uh, and these do, and these are domains that belong to other customers and we should not mix those. Um, but, like I said, uh, we have contacted a lot of vendors and in all but one case, they've basically said, well, either they've not replied at all or they said, yes, this we, we know, and that's it. I can imagine in, in large, complex cloud environments, the pure design of these things tends to lend itself towards the mail going out through a system that may not have any of that identity. So it, it seems easy at the outset, but maybe more complex when you dive into individual designs for, for deployments. But again, that's that's one of the complexities of cloud services is, you know, if you have a if you have a system that's just solely responsible for sending email, it may need to become more intelligent in the future. Oh, absolutely. And um, there's also just another incentive for vendors to not check this basically. And that's, uh, let's say that you have a website which has a contact form, which is not a very strange use case. And uh, when you designed the contact form, you, you, you added some fields like the from address and the subject and the message. And then you translated that to an actual email where you decided to put the email address that, that someone entered in the contact form as the actual form address. Hmm. Now, 
this is basically email spoofing, but that's how, I mean, it, it, it is a very simple mistake to make. And, and if you're, you're not just, uh, not a lot, someone who's really into technology and just setting this up until it works. And then once it works, forgets about it because, well, why, why would you, I mean, it works. So why would you care? Then if you suddenly started checking for this, then this would break and then you would be getting in, then you would at some point notice, hey, I'm no longer receiving email from my contact form. Then you would probably go to your vendor and say, why have you suddenly, well, why, why did you break things basically? Hmm. Even though it was you that did something that you probably shouldn't have done. And at that point, the easiest way to fix it is to make things insecure. Correct. Because <laughs> nobody... Nobody complains about, oh no, I get to, everybody complains when their email is not being delivered, but when it's uh, too much email being delivered, basically, then, then, then nobody really complains. <laughs> it's mean, like, I'd love to break my email sometimes. I think I have far too much oh, of it. <laughs> oh, 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 I would love if, if my spam folder didn't, or if my spam folder would one work properly and actually filter out the spam and not make it like a random number generator whether it's is this spam or not maybe not maybe i don't know i still need to check both folders. that that would be great but... yeah exactly <laughs> no but i mean just like with things with uh getting authorization for something i mean if you need to have access to some resource and you don't have access then you complain if you have access to some resource that you don't need access to then you don't complain because you, it doesn't matter and, and it, it's, it's basically the same problem for email because we complain when it doesn't work. So we set it to some standard that is insecure, but the, it still works. And well, we only change that when, well, either we don't or when I, someone like me comes around and says, look, what you're doing, you're basically now causing a problem for your customers. And if you're not going to fix it, then I'm going to contact your customers with that because they are probably interested, which is customers have the certainly have the power to affect change in these environments so it's it's worthwhile customers reaching out to people they're using just to see whether or not this is something that they're aware of at least and by putting it at, at first it does give you the um a controlled venue to release the information rather than just meeting with press or something along those lines to get people to move yes exactly because well our main focus or my main focus has been uh, government and vital infrastructure because in the Netherlands at least we have this rather unique situation where um, the government has this thing called forum standardization which s sets out requirements when it comes to uh, open standards for the use within government and vital infrastructure and on that list are SPF and DMARC and they basically they have to be they are required to be implemented and to require to be implemented properly. So not just a, a, a policy that says allow everything and it's fine. And... But I'm guessing properly in this case, it is very variable depending on the services and the functionality that's required. Correct. That is that is indeed very variable. But one thing that that it's not that it, that is fairly certain is that when the government decides that they are going to use some or a, a government agency decides to use some third party that that third party also has to make sure that the government can adhere to those requirements so they have a so to speak as it's a stick to 
the defender with that if they are not complying with that then we have to look for a different vendor because we are required to adhere to these standards i mean and certainly uh when it comes to governmental regulation that has been shown to cause changes and and highlight changes that are needed in the industry um and certainly first is an interesting avenue to talk to a broad range of people who are affected not only national cert teams who want to be aware of these kind of things but also uh, vendors who may have that problem or be aware of it or, or you know, be interested in reaching out to their uh, suppliers as well so it certainly is an interesting avenue to amplify the message yes absolutely because uh, well currently a lot of organizations that are willing to resolve it well they're they're waiting on the vendor but and, and sometimes the vendor is somewhat interested to resolve it but then they, they, they don't want to break things for their other customers, so they're hesitant mm -hmm. to do that. And then you get into the stalemate, and then basically nothing happens. And that that's that's just a shame. Yeah. So Cohen, I've got two last questions for you. Of course. What, if, what haven't we asked you that we should be asking about? And who do you want to see join you at your talk? Ooh, what, so the first question, what, what haven't you asked that we sh you should have asked? Well. The main thing that I want to point out is that these these are not vendors that we're talking about. They, these are not small fish, so to speak. Just some put to put out some numbers. This this affects about thirty percent of Dutch municipalities, half of the provinces, half of the ministries. Um, these, these are they these are big vendors with big reach, at least, and they are exist both in the Netherlands and every country that I've so far looked at. So. That's the that's the the question and also the answer to the first one, and 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 who I would like to see join me for the talk. That is primarily those national certs, or people at national certs that are have the ability to say this needs to be done better and have the influence to actually make sure that that change happens before it becomes something that is abused. I mean, I, I imagine there's avenues where this is already being abused in the wild, so maybe we're slightly behind the eight ball on this, but it's it's certainly a, an interesting topic of conversation. I look forward to the ongoing conversation at the event. We won't. I'd love to dig deeper, but given the the TLP Amber, let's uh, let's leave it there for now and encourage people to engage through the conference. If people are interested but they can't attend the conference, how how can they find more information? Maybe in the future, once you release more on this research. So um, this is research that I'm doing also as part of the University of Twente. So this will in the uh, it, it will take a bit of time because this is how universities and research go. But it will in the end become a publication that will be published. in our policy is open access journal. So it's just um, it will be inside in a journal or at a conference, but it will be available to the public as in that way. Great. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to chat. Um, look forward to continuing the discussion at the event and uh, look forward to seeing you in Montreal. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the First Impressions podcast and thanks to this week's guest. You can find Chris John Riley on Twitter at Chris John Riley, all one word. You can find me, Martin McKay, on Twitter at MCKEAY. And you can find the first organization at first.org, F-I-R-S-T-D-O-T-O-R-G. 
You can also find more information about FIRST and the FIRST Impressions podcast at first.org. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.